0: Welcome to the RPG News. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kampstra. Hi,
1: everybody. And also Ash Eli. Also, wow. Okay, hey. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Two.
0: Used to be here, still is two. We have a special guest with us tonight, Alan Patrick.
1: I'm special. (laughs) Is that what your mommy told you? I don't know. I didn't talk to her until last year. Oh, (laughs) now I I
2: feel bad. No, no, that's okay. (laughs) Just, just crash landing that it's joke. It's just shattered. It's just. <laughs> yes. We're Dan, we're cut, the tank,
1: to, Dan. cut the tape there. Cut we're the tape. Cut the tape. we off to a flying start. This, this episode has wings.
3: <laughs> <laughs> quick Ellen, tell us something about yourself like we know what we're doing
2: oh i make terrible jokes usually at my own expense uh I, i've been writing for a while i'm just a hugely nerdy person that has invested way too much time into tabletop rpgs over the years uh,
0: i think some of us can say there's no such thing as way too much time <laughs>
1: no.
0: and then we all know uh, other people who would disagree and say that's that's way too much time well
1: respectfully those people are wrong (laughs) (laughs) that's fair i like that opinion
2: let's go with that Mm -hmm.
0: it's like yeah you know some people have like a weekly game and they're like at least we're not the folks who have three weekly games and the people who have three weekly games like at least i haven't written like eight different books and you know be a fairly popular you know popular publisher
2: yeah now you're just attacking me, man <laughs> It's the dream
0: you're living the dream yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'll have to get you pictures from my office it's just it it's like ninety five ish percent of everything that t s r and wizards has ever published it's, oh, it's that's a, awesome it's a library that's nice. <laughs> no uh, that that is quite awesome,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> Well,
3: uh, so Alan, you already teased that you're a writer. Um, what is your history with tabletop RPGs? We we always like to lead with that when we have guests.
2: Um, well, uh, I started very unprofessionally. Uh, it was a, a, a casual uh, addressing, I guess, if if you will. Uh, I, I ran games for my local events. And, you know, did a lot of, you know, free stuff, volunteer, you know, Gen Con Origins, things like that, Winter Fantasy. And eventually one of the writing directors for Wizards Organized Play at the time, 4th edition, Living Forgotten Realms. uh, He and I had been talking friendly for, for a while. He came to me and he says, you know. I need authors for this new trilogy. And it's all about Netheril in the Forgotten Realm. So, you know, just big wizard stuff. Wizards coming back, their time displaced. And it was just a cool, big storyline, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm already in. And uh, John, John Dubois, uh, he says, I have seen you run tables. You've run tables for me and my friends, and we really like it. Uh, you make people get into hard decisions. And uh, I want you to write something. I want you to make people cry, but, like, in a good way. Not, you know, not like happy tears, but, like, get them invested and then dash them. So uh, if anyone doesn't like my writing projects, John Dubois, I uh, I blame it on him.
0: <laughs> if that, if that's the good way? That's the, Those are the good tears? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, well, that's that's how I started. Like, uh, you know, he, he got me involved in writing because of the way I ran games. He wanted to see that translated into a written form and uh it went from there uh big stories with big stakes and big decisions uh became projects for other publishers in other genres but still had those same sort of common themes and it's gone into wizards and Modifius for star trek and shadow of the demon lord and so, just all over the place
3: now that is uh that is an impressive resume, like,
1: yeah. That is, uh, uh <laughs> I think we were all left kind of just stunned there for a second. Yeah,
2: I mean, uh, I can tell you yeah. the story of the, the, the Star Trek project, yeah,
1: sure. well, yeah, awesome. you have to,
2: yeah, of uh, course. <laughs> so, uh, when the most current Star Trek Adventures system was being produced, right, the, uh, the core book had just come out, uh, Modiphius. Was uh, was was holding the reins for that. They wanted to produce a whole lot of content, a bunch of books, a bunch of adventures. They wanted to do sort of an organized play style, uh, without like the global administration that we see from like Pathfinder Society and D and D Adventures League and stuff like that. Uh, so they wanted to do like this episodic, very event driven storyline setup, and uh, they reached out to a bunch of authors. And uh, I was one of them. They wanted me to wrap up the season, right? They have the original series, like setting, and they have the next generation setting, and they 've got more now, but at the time it's like yeah and uh they wanted to basically do it as what you 'd see in an episode arc uh, if you were to watch them. So mm-hmm. when they got a hold of me for my project, they say, "All right, here is all of the weird stuff we 've been building to, and these are the things you you know as a writer and designer. These are the things you can 't say like you can't name this." You know area or this race or this technology or whatever but you can like give more hints to it but we want you to like end the season on a cliffhanger because we want to do big stuff for season two but we want people to really like latch in so uh here i'm thinking like okay they have the license this is going to be for a you know a, a publisher but it's not like writing for star trek capital s capital t right like the I figured this is a satellite project in the orbit of Star Trek as a whole. It's, and, it's, uh, it's not
0: big Star Trek. It's mom and pop Star Trek. It's going to be great. Yeah,
2: exactly, <laughs> right. It's like summer barbecue Star Trek. Like, you know, that's, yeah. that's kind of how I looked at it. So I pulled out the stops, and I I went fairly heavy. Uh, I used some of my my usual themes, right, like the big decisions and all that, sure. Uh, but I had some very visual elements in there as well that we we didn't really see in uh d s nine or next generation or definitely you know original series, but we're starting to see more visual representation and, and visual drive in the new series uh, uh strange new worlds uh if you 've been watching that uh is is fantastic, and uh, you know the, the other stuff that they currently have there there are a lot of like special effects driven things that become their own sort of characters if that makes sense uh, so anyway, I had some very visual moments uh some some, I don't want to say body horror moments in there, but there were some body challenge moments where things could happen to the crew if they weren't careful. Uh, And ultimately, I I ended it in the way that, personally, I feel every Star Trek movie should end, and that is with your starship getting blown up. So uh, (laughs) uh, you're trapped in a shuttle. uh, Your ship has just been destroyed by another Federation starship. And uh, that's kind of where I left it, right? Like I left the hooks for season two and you know, the players had some options on how to get away. And I submitted the work and I never heard anything. They paid promptly. It was amazing. So I'm like, okay, they don't completely hate me or they hate me so much, they just want me to go away.
1: But they paid well,
2: they paid almost immediately. It was beautiful. And like a year goes by, I haven't heard anything. I'm like, all right, well, they probably just decided like they're not gonna publish this because we'd originally talked not only about PDF publishing and publish straight to the website, but also inclusion in an upcoming hardcover, where they would, you know, re-edit and pretty it up and give it some new art and throw it in for later sale. I never heard anything. Never heard anything. Well, I get an email from them one day. Hey, so sorry about the delay. Uh, it's coming out tomorrow. <laughs> oh, okay. And I responded back. I'm like, Hey, that's great. Thanks for reaching out. I was concerned uh, that, you know, this is. It's now been almost a year. What took so long? They're like, Well, you had some things in there. We had to go to the CBS lawyers about, like, mm. you, you might see CBS, I don't, I don't like it when lawyers get involved in the stuff yeah. that I'm writing, and it wasn't Always because they had thing. issue with what I, yeah, exactly, and it wasn't like they <laughs> took offense to anything I wrote, but apparently I was trending real close to some of the storylines they had coming for Discovery. Oh, no. <laughs> completely, completely accidentally. Oh, that's too so funny. They eventually, they just had to green light it. After doing oh, some internal edits, he accidentally,
1: accidentally wrote for Star Trek the show. That's that's beautiful.
0: I love that. So hopefully, like, hopefully, the CBS writing team was also hearing that. It's like maybe we need to
2: get this guy in here. No. I, don't, I don't know if I could do that regularly. That's fair. Okay, I I was able to do that because I mistakenly believed I had the freedom to do so. Yeah. no that's fair all right
0: so i want to ask a big question because we're talking about some like really cool writing projects i I want to i want to lay this out so that the average person at home who maybe doesn't have enough time to kind of chew through everything can still get a big picture of the scope of your writing can you talk about some of the publishers that you've written for up to date
2: yes uh so clearly modiphius we just we just talked about them uh I've done a lot of work with Wizards of the Coast, uh, both in a formal capacity where I was contracted to write like for uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Uh, I wrote a couple of levels in there. Uh, and then a lot of the Adventures League content from my time there is one of the global administrators for the program. Uh, you know, so I was writing not only campaign documentation, but also adventure content and, you know, web supplements to spike up and, and help enhance the flavor of like the, the hardcovers and whatnot. But I've also uh, branched out into some other publishers. Uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord for Schwab Entertainment, uh, fantastic system. Rob has got to be Rob Schwab has got to be, if not the hardest, he's got to be one of the hardest working people in tabletop RPGs that I've ever met. He's prolific. Almost everything in that brand is directly from him. So I mean. Wow. Friday the 13th at midnight, like, he's got to be a bundle of fun, but (laughs) 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 he's, I I mean, I've I've met Rob a number of times, he's, he's, uh, he's a good person, and uh, we've, we've, we've been able to collaborate on some other stuff, and just good discussions, Uh, Esper Genesis with Rich Lescaflair, uh, it's a a fifth edition in space, is the real basic way to sum it up, and I know we've got Spelljammer now from Wizards, right, Uh, Esper (laughs) Genesis has been around for several years at this point. And it is it is out there, and it's a blast. It's it's very approachable. If you know fifth ed, you've already got everything you need to to get it and start playing it. I've uh, I've, I've entertained some some discussions with some other publishers that I can't really name because we still have some stuff ongoing, but I can say uh, that I have turned over final manuscript for a project with Alex Cammer and the team over at Frog God Games. Uh, they wanted a uh, uh, We'll say a big horror project. So Alex and I gave them, uh, I think our last count was almost 200,000 words of a horror project. And there is some some real scary in there. (laughs) A little self-censoring goes a long way, I think. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Family-friendly podcast, you know. Yes, exactly. their imagination will fill it in and that's the best part of horror when you lead them to the edge of it and they just start imagining because whatever they imagine is going to be way worse than anything I could ever put on paper
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> terrifying frogs yeah.
2: so, hey, and that's just the name of the company
1: so I have a, I have a kind of a specific question for you yeah. um, you mentioned in your story about uh, Star Trek that you worked with specific themes that you have Worked with in the past. Are there, as a writer, are there specific themes for your your material that you try to
2: push more than others, like favorite themes and stuff like that? That is a great question. Uh, I find that some themes come very easily to me, and while I try and push myself to branch outside of that, uh, I I know that sometimes when I'm asked to work on a project, it's because they want a very specific flavor, right? Like you know, hey, you like cake, but you really want chocolate cake. This is where you get it. for sure, yeah. So, uh, uh, solitude, uh, lore without it feeling like it's coming out of a fire hose, uh, I don't want to say, like, you know, a true, like, I'm kind of stumbling over the words here, there are a lot of different facets to horror, and the slow introduction of body horror paired with some psychological horror can go a long way for, for gamers but uh it's also a a tricky path to walk uh because if you try to do too much of it then it just becomes schlock and if you drip feed it too slowly then it just doesn't have any impact so i've been told i'm pretty good at at writing that sort of content where it's got the steady feed with the 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 critical build uh and i do enjoy that uh but as a professional like i want to try and get outside of that like You know, uh, uh, happy forest creatures are probably never going to be my wheelhouse, but uh, I do try sometimes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, so you like more dark sort of storytelling? Um, more Mm -hmm. lean more towards the side of horror and stuff like that, less idealistic sort of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, I find regardless of what genre you're you're writing for. Humans and you know people are really just the worst villains out there. Uh, In in your traditional fantasy settings, humans are always the worst, like without a doubt. Like oh, you know there's this big demon invasion and they're doing all these horrible things. Well, who brought the demons here? Well, it was the humans over on this side. (laughs) Leave those poor elves and dwarves alone. (laughs) That uh, that does
1: tend to be true. How do you split your time when you're when you're working? Like how much time do you do on writing or brainstorming?
2: Like what does the process kind of look like? Uh, it really depends on what I need to do. Uh, if I have a task in front of me that is pure writing, like uh, for example, a lot of the common publishers, lot of the, the big level publishers will give you basically an outline. Like you write to spec. Here are the story beats they need you to hit. Here's where it starts. Here's where it wraps and you have to include you know four of these five elements don't include these other things like they give you a, a pretty fleshed out framework to build from in a case like that i'd say i'm probably 80% writing and 20% just i don't playing a video game or walking around you know the the <laughs> honestly you got to take a break man you got to get up and you got to walk around and you got to you got to stretch your brain every now and again the longer you stare at words the less meaning they have right Well, I am uh, jealous. (laughs) (laughs) But if I'm in a a, a project where uh, it has has happened with some other uh, groups, where they're just like, we've read some of your other stuff. We know what we're in for. We want an adventure for level four characters that last four hours. Go do your thing. Uh, Where I've got to like brainstorm and and scope and do all of that. Uh, Honestly, probably 30% of my time if that is is spent on writing the rest is research and review and really making sure that i know the playground i'm getting into before i begin committing to a a travel path right a a narrative path
0: so i feel like there's probably some advice in here for homebrewers and so i'm going to challenge you in that situation where they come and they say Mm -hmm. i want an adventure for level four adventures maybe i want it to last like x long what are the key questions that you might ask in that situation to make sure you're going to deliver something that delights?
2: Okay, well, I guess I need a, a little more insight from you. Then is this someone who is homebrewing for their own campaign and their their limited group, or is this someone who wants to begin writing on their own? Let, let's go with the second one. Like, let's yeah. say, yeah. let's okay. say I have
3: ambitions of writing and publishing my first adventure. Like, sure.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, the the first thing to to say, and it's the hardest thing to keep in mind, is that once you write it, it's not your story anymore. So you're not delivering a story, you're delivering a framework. The, the sooner that a prospective author comes to grips with that, the better off they, they will be, right? Because everyone's going to interpret your narrative just a little bit differently. And it'll go, in wild different directions. I'm sure you, you've all played games with, you know, your friends, and then, you know, they've gone and played it elsewhere and had completely different experiences, right? And you know, writing for D&D or any other tabletop RPG is no different. Uh, when you begin your writing process, you figure out what beats you want people to experience or have the option to experience, you know, the opportunity, rather, I, I guess. And then, uh, you know, provide them a path by which they can, they can do that. But how they interact with those elements is going to change table by table. The, the moment you settle on a, a writing stance that has you writing things like, the monsters will, or the characters will do this, you're, you're going to be setting yourself up for, for dissatisfaction. Right? So if someone, say, they want to write an adventure where uh, the group encounters a set of ruins and there's uh, something inside to investigate, you want to make it compelling without forcing the, the characters to go in there and always bear in mind that they may just bypass it and go somewhere else what a, what about the 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 railroad the railroad the railroads so if if you if you want to do that if you want to create gated content there is an avenue for that right Uh, And in in my own experience, and, you know, different authors will have different ways of addressing this, but in my own experience, that is something that you can establish up front in your document. Hey, this document includes information on just this point, period. End of story. If If the characters decide not to interact with this point, go choose literally anything else. Or if you're doing a series of... A, B, C, D, E, and they can't go to B until they finish, you know, A, either you have to look at the elements you include in there, and like, they can't open the magically locked door that starts section B until they get the amulet from section A, that is one way to do it, right? But you want to make sure that you link the the stops on your railroad in such a way that it doesn't feel completely forced, because even if you do link it, people are going to skip a stop or they're going to think outside the box. They're going to think very creatively or just have really kick-ass die rolls and, uh, you know, a very generous uh, GM. And they're going to find a way around that magically locked door. You know, they summon a giant Gorgon who just charges and the door crumbles under the assault. Well, I guess I didn't need the magic pendant after all. (laughs) (laughs) So the railroad is a really dangerous thing to, to have in mind. It does have a place. But it has to be clearly communicated and shared in your, your project's scope for whoever's going to be consuming. I'm furiously writing all this down.
1: <laughs> so what would
2: you say is the
1: hardest part of the, of the process? Is it coming up with uh, the, the narrative storyline, uh, creating the characters? Is it making the dungeons or the towns, or is it puzzle design? Uh,
2: I do struggle with some of the, the, the puzzle design. Thankfully, I've got some very good people that I can lean on and be like, does this make sense or is it garbage? Uh, (laughs) Usually my puzzles are pretty garbage. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel you there. I I say that and it's more of a self-diagnosis than anything there. Uh, I I have both the blessing and curse of uh, knowing Elisa Teague, who has done a lot of puzzle design for a lot of different publishers and I don't know how her mind works. I think it's just a giant puzzle by itself. <laughs> uh, she is brilliant at it. So I know if I ask her for puzzle advice, I'm just gonna feel about two inches tall by the time I'm done. <laughs> uh, outside of that, the the big thing that I challenge myself with, I, I don't want to say struggle with, but the thing that I challenge myself with is how do I keep this entertaining all the way through? You know, keep it relevant for different tables, sure, but how do I keep it entertaining? Because once once you use a writing trick, right? You know, some big reveal or twist or whatever. In one piece of content, you really don't, and you can use it again, but you really don't want to use it again eh, maybe right away.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, George R. R. Martin, take notes. The, the sixth time you kill the character that I'm most passionate about and care about, I, like,
1: I'm... <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it loses some of its yeah. weight. So- or just don't, don't be... You don't wanna be like M. Night Shyamalan where people expect a twist. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's probably right. actually the better one. <laughs> and that's, that's
2: not a twist <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yes. Uh tw- man, narrative twists are something you really gotta be super careful with. Mm-hmm. Uh because they like the first time it happens, people are pretty okay with it. But the second time, the third, the fourth, like they they just begin to expect it, like you said. Uh you can play with that a little bit and begin introducing elements that have the, the players and their characters as more of a guiding element when those twists happen. Uh, I, I have uh, one adventure for uh, D&D 5th Edition that has some, some time travel sort of stuff in it, and by the end of it, the players and their characters have the opportunity to interact with elements that set them on the path that they currently are wrapping up.
0: So they can break the timeliner. okay, that's pretty cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, effectively,
0: <laughs> I'm I'm in.
2: But it's it's something like the you get the look on their faces at the end of it, and uh, you know it's it's a great feeling for everybody. But it it's a narrative thing that they realize their characters have done without it really being a mechanical thing. Like if you're gonna do twists and stuff, don't don't rewrite too much history. Don't, you know, don't don't recreate the tool set unless you. Really need to, so you've given us some tips, and I feel like
0: those are probably useful at least for me. I was question: <laughs> How do you feel like your writing has improved over time? What are the hard lessons you've learned as you've been writing?
2: the The biggest lesson that that I learned is uh, is is really becoming more eager. It's twofold: becoming more eager about seeking out feedback, but then also accepting that feedback. And you know. If people want to give you their time to not only consume your product, but then to provide thoughts on it, it's valid to read those thoughts. Now, that's not to say that every reaction is going to be impactful, and not every reaction is something that you incorporate into your ongoing processes, but they they decided to give some of their own time to share their input. We lose nothing by, by reading it, to glean what we can out of it we don't have to agree with feedback, but we do need to accept it. Graciously accepting feedback is how we get better. It's how we improve. And if not as writers, just improve as people. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that bit on feedback is really interesting. So kind of in, in my corporate life, in in my corporate environment, like feedback is actually one of the, the foundational principles. It's how we talk about talking to people is in terms of requesting Mm -hmm. feedback giving feedback we actually have feedback training on how to give feedback and it it it's it's this thing of like we joke about like you know if i took this feedback training in my personal life i feel like i don't know if like because a lot of people hate getting feedback and what they hate more than Mm -hmm. uh than feedback is is um honest feedback
2: yes And and
0: so I think, yeah, that's, that feels like really solid advice of like recognizing not everybody's going to love everything you do. You can't please all the people all the time, Mm -hmm. but if you can recognize that this person is the target audience and this person is a person who would generally like what I do, but there's one piece that they can offer you. A lot of times I think, you know, once you get past the, you know, either feeling hurt or feeling like, okay, this doesn't really apply to me. I, I think you can then turn around and say like, okay what would i do with that if i if i'd incorporated that in something i've already written how would that manifest and the next time you're on a writing project i can 100 percent imagine that like Mm -hmm. you know manifesting in small ways at first yeah good feedback (laughs) yes
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so alan you've published a lot of things on uh drive through rpg dm's guild and uh, Mm -hmm. like the feedback there is very impersonal like basically strangers leaving comments on the internet um yes do you have people or places that you go looking for feedback before you publish something like you you mentioned a bunch of cool people you've worked with and written with um Mm. do you go to them uh like
2: who, who are the people who give you the best useful feedback sometimes it will be those individuals largely my my Critical feedback comes from one of two places. One, uh, and primarily, playtesting. When it gets sent through publisher, whether that's myself or you know some some other organization, the comments that we get back from the playtesters are invaluable. Like you know, again, they may not be you know mechanical, they may not be uh, anything that I can implement, but they are invaluable. Like there, there's always something there to to pull out. Uh, the the second source really is uh you know i've got a a stable of other designers that we will sometimes just jam on ideas and it it is it's not uncommon for one of us to to hear an idea and be like that's interesting but they've already done that here in this other piece of content you not to say you shouldn't do it but maybe look at how they did it and either change it in such a way that it that you take ownership of it or you know if that's too close to your idea, maybe consider trying something else.
0: Okay. I, I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, what kind of tools do you yeah. use to do this work? You know, are you sitting in a Google doc or Microsoft mm-hmm. word? Um. <laughs> 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 this is
3: where he's going to uh, tell us that he writes everything in raw HTML and notepad. No, no nobody's oh, that no,
0: crazy. Tyler. Time. <laughs> Nobody is crazy enough to do Not that. And nobody's crazy enough to do that for like six years.
1: Uh,
2: folks at home right Maybe now I'm, six
0: years or I'm so. roasting Tyler because RPGbot.net <laughs> was raw HTML for like six years he just fixed this like a year ago am,
1: I'm <laughs> so shocked <That's- laughs> he says with face.
3: say what you will but that website could run on a toaster
0: it, it actually did run on a toaster <laughs> <You> know, there, <laughs> it's, there are java enabled toasters <laughs> <laughs> samsung's heart fridge run on RPGBot.net. Like, you, you go to pick out a beer it's like can i offer you this fine exit in
2: <laughs> uh, you, you know on, on that note i have seen the samsung smart fridge running roll 20 <laughs>
0: awesome that's, huh. insane. that's
2: insane why not why not
0: yeah, so, why yeah not? you,
2: you
1: exactly. can
2: you don't have to leave the
1: fridge you can just stuff your face while you're playing roll 20 now
3: huh? <laughs> yeah, there, there's a commercial yeah.
0: <laughs> like works on your mobile device works on your smart fridge <laughs> uh, awesome that feels like the best way to write it's now insane. that we're talking about it right fridge open <laughs> and beer in hand cold fridge. pizza just
2: I'm making art. <laughs> Keep your Mountain Dew, beer, whatever, as cold as you like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the the tools I use uh, it, it that can vary wildly from project to project. Uh, for a long time, uh, I it, it, for for several years now, I've been running uh, games for like Gen Con and Gamehole Con and a, a couple other events. And the notes that I bring there, uh, you know, and it'll be a four-hour, six-hour, eight-hour game. The notes that I bring there are, uh, hang on, uh, no, that's that's NDA. I can't show that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, no, uh, no. Here, this this is is terrible handwriting. Uh, But, I mean, this this will translate well to the audio-only version of the podcast. But uh, that is about as much writing as I will have for eight hours of content. Oh, Uh, wow, that's like uh, half a page. uh, Sort of, yeah. <laughs> uh but the first several times that I run something that I that I plan to write uh those are the notes that I have it's usually half a page maybe less uh a couple of bullet points because although I have a story idea in my head I don't want to have a prescribed narrative I want to be able to run it and provide enough uh, room for reflex and room for exploration so that I can incorporate other elements and make this as rewarding an experience for the, the future players as I as I can. Now, as I get into something that's a little more formally uh, set for publication, uh, I, I usually just start right off with whatever template doc they've got, or if they don't have a template for, for Word, uh, Notepad, really, uh, and, and Notepad++, that's, that's my jam, because if I accidentally, and by accidentally, I mean usually intentionally close the file because I need to walk away. I don't lose my progress.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. So what I'm hearing is everybody at home, the tools are available to you. Just, just get yeah. started.
2: Yeah. Notepad Plus plus is free. Google drive. It's all, it's all free. Just, just go do the thing.
1: I've noticed a lot of creatives <laughs> tend to be, be like, uh, they want to have like all the fancy bells, whistle tools or like, it'll make me a better writer and stuff like that. It's like, well, all you really need is. Pen.
0: Yeah. These golf clubs haven't made me a better Google. golfer. I can tell you that.
1: but there's something about the accoutrement right (laughs) i'll tell you what
0: that next set i buy
3: (laughs) (laughs) so alan you've taken us through like coming up with the idea playtesting writing uh working with a template like you have your story you have your adventure um how does it go from words in a text document to like this is an official published adventure for like organized play or otherwise like what's that process
2: like Um, uh, it really depends on the publisher and i know i'm saying that a whole lot i don't i don't mean to <laughs> use that as a crutch uh but some organizations have some pretty uh strict like pathing you know some 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 stricter guidelines where they'll have uh you know first draft due here and then uh, you know one publisher may take it for play testing and then provide uh any feedback from the play testers they they may just incorporate it and make the final edits themselves and then push it to layout and publication uh, others you push it to play testing you get the comments back you've got a week or so to implement whatever necessary changes put second draft in and you know go from there there was one publisher i worked with where we had oh god i think we had like 7 drafts of the initial adventure before a playtester ever saw it wow yeah it was it was a lot of work
0: <laughs> <laughs> how long was that adventure two hours and wow. and, and wow. i'm assuming you do that on a fixed price contract so if you're going over and over and over again on it it's
2: every back and forth it was de-escalating in priority on my side okay yeah big uh, big okay <laughs> and an appropriate
0: response <laughs> yeah yeah
2: it was it was a, a a property that I really wanted to work on. So I had accepted a lower rate than I normally would have because I thought it would be fun. Mm. And uh, well, lessons yeah, learned. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't,
0: don't meet your heroes, especially don't write your heroes.
1: <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs>
1: and don't work for your heroes. <laughs> no,
2: some heroes are pretty cool. I will say that mm. some heroes are pretty cool. I've met a lot of good people. in
0: industry. That's good. All right. Well, Alan, thank you so much for being with us tonight.
2: Happy to be here.
3: Uh for people not familiar with your work, where can they find you on socials and stuff? Uh
2: if they want to track me down, uh may God have mercy on their soul. And uh Twitter <laughs> is usually the best place to find me. Uh I don't do much with Facebook anymore. I usually just keep it around for, you know, sales and resale groups. But uh Twitter, uh at Warf uh W-A-R-F-T-E-I-N-E R, uh, because it makes no sense at all, much like half <laughs> stuff that and, and Don't worry, folks, <laughs> we will have a link in the
0: show notes, you'll be able to find this.
2: Yes. Uh but, uh, really like Twitter's really the primary way to go run into me at a, at a show and, uh, really tell me stories. If, if you're out there, I want to hear it. And
0: if I w- everyone's got a voice. Awesome. If I want to find content that you published on DMs Guild, can I find it through Twitter? Like go to their profile, click through?
2: I believe I've got my, uh, my, my links up there, a uh, link tree. Uh, otherwise I'll, I'll get something pinned here. Shortly. Awesome. And then I think, uh, <laughs>
0: there's going to be an adventure from Alan that we're going to have specially linked in the show notes. Do you want to tell folks a little bit about that?
2: Yes. Sure, sure. Um, so I'll be doing a specially discounted copy of d and D fifth edition adventure I wrote for the uh, Adventurers League. It's called Window to the Past. It does deal with some uh, some horror elements, uh, a few here and there. A lost laboratory, and there are some body horror moments. Just you know, forewarning. Uh, don't want to say too much, but it's it's been out there for a while. People may have played it. Maybe they haven't, but. Uh, the players control every bit of the narrative all the way through mm. every bit of it and when they think they aren't in control they are still absolutely in control <laughs> and for better until words. you're sitting at home thinking
0: aren't we rolling into spooktober the answer is yes
2: mm-hmm. it, yes uh, i i don't want to give too much away but it does deal with a giant undead god uh it's uh pretty nasty Uh, shades of that have uh, appeared in other works Uh, there is a very loose reference to some of that in even non-D&D things and uh, there are several adventures in that series for 5th edition already and I may have some loosely related things coming up in a uh, a, a Rhymes with Dark Souls project (laughs) very cool very cool (laughs) Nice. I, I write things. I don't write things. Good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being with us tonight. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and read us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick, free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You'll find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for source books and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on rbgbot.net. Following these links helps us to make the show happen every week. It was a dark and stormy night. Humans are the worst people.